Welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. Echo is a group of people in Cincinnati, Ohio, who love Jesus, love hanging out, and are navigating the ups and downs of our faith together. We're glad you're here. Thanks for joining us online. Thanks for joining us here today. And I want to, I want you to tell me what kind of person you are. If you're going to go on a road trip, how do you prepare for your meals? Are you, uh, like, we just went on a road trip as a family, and Steve's laughing at me because I just have a bag of snacks. Because ever since I became a mom, even though my child is a teenager now, I still learned that snacks are important for my own hangry needs as much as anyone else's. So I've always got a bag of snacks for me until we get to, like, a place for a meal. Now, is anyone out here, like, a full-on, you make a whole meal that you take with you? I'm not a cook. I don't take pic- I don't usually do picnics. Okay, no one here. How many people are like, eh, we'll see what fast food we find on the way? Anyone? You take the risk. Don't know what kind of stop you're going to find. Now, I-, I do say this. I'm kind of glad that Jimmy John's exists now because I feel like it's a little fresher, right? Like if I'm going to get something fast, okay? So this is a picture. When I think of fast food, McDonald's comes to mind. This is the American Sign Museum. Um, it's in, in town here. You can actually get uh, free tickets from the library. Come find me afterward, and I'll tell you how. Kendra told me that secret. Um, but fast food was made for convenience, and it became a big deal in the 50s and 60s when everybody's got cars. And so we've got the highway system. America's just driving more. And, you know, for better or for worse, Adam Chandler says that this is what happened. This is our, like, whole lives started to be geared around the car. And so Adam Chandler wrote Drive Through Dreams, and he's got all of this history of how so many founders of the fast food restaurants we know today, like, just came from very humble backgrounds, and this was their way in. Now, that's the 50s and 60s is when it became huge, but the very first chain was in 1921, it capitalized on America's love of the assembly line, and can anyone guess which restaurant it was? Shout it out. White Castle, Castle, small, tiny. Every burger looks the same, and everybody liked that back then. That was like what they wanted. Like, I don't don't know if that's all we want now. Uh, So whatever your feelings, fast food, it's there. It has its purpose, right? Convenience, quickness. Now, Think about this. I want you to think about a meal where you've sat down and spent a long time with some people. Maybe it was a holiday meal. Maybe it was in someone's home. Maybe you even had courses. Like someone brought out an appetizer and a salad. Like you just brought out these courses to you. Or maybe you just had these big bowls that you passed around and you knew that if you ate and you eyed everybody just enough, you could scoop up some seconds. Maybe that bowl would come around again. But there's a different purpose in those settings. Whether you're with family or with friends, did you have time for conversation? Because the point there wasn't just sustenance, just to fill your stomach. If you're in those kind of meals, right, you're looking around. You start to share stories about your life or memories that you all share together. There's two different feelings of when you're just trying to get through a meal or you're trying to savor the people that you're with. So today, our scripture is going to be a little bit of both. We're going to talk about a dinner that first was fast food. 
but it became an annual, slow meal of remembrance and conversation through the years to come. We're talking about Passover, and this is still celebrated today. In fact, this is the week for it, this Tuesday night slash Wednesday. It's Passover time, and so we're going to discuss it in Exodus chapter 12 today. If you grab a pew Bible, it's page 48, if you want to turn on devices, or we're going to put some slides up on the screen. We have been studying the book of Exodus And it's the second book in the Bible, Old Testament as we know it. And it has history of God's people. God chose a people, Israel, to say, you are going to represent me. You are going to live out my identity in the world and I'm going to shine through you. But the problem was they had some history. There were some issues. They moved to Egypt for a while to escape famine. And in that time, they stayed and they stayed, and it wasn't their homeland that they were supposed to stay in, but they stayed longer. And the Egyptians started to look around and thought, you feel threatening now because you're growing. And so once neighbors, now masters and slaves, Egyptians took their power and enslaved an entire group of people. And so we've been reading about that pain and the burdens carried. The people cried out to God, and it says, God listened. He heard their cry, and he made a plan. Now, the plan probably wasn't fast in our terms of the way we deal with fast food. This took decades. But God was allowing a people, first he was allowing a leader named Moses to grow and develop into his readiness Because God said, Moses, I am Yahweh. That is the name you can call me, and you are going to be a partner with me to lead my people out. But it's not going to be easy. You're going to have to go speak to power, go to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and say these words. You're going to have to do some big things before he will let you go. But you are going to work with me, and together we're going to bring Israel out out of slavery, out of oppression, where they won't fear death anymore, where they can worship me with freedom and they no longer have to serve under others but can be free to be themselves, a people in my name. We said that there's grace. There's grace throughout this story because Yahweh, that time, that time he gave is grace. Maybe Egypt would come to their senses. Maybe they would recognize the harm that they were doing. But they didn't. And so Yahweh had to be more and more clear. And we said the final 10 ways that he became clear, we know of as the 10 plagues. There was 10 strikes to get the attention of the Egyptians to say, no, really, let my people go. You are being cruel. You need to let them be free. And the final one, the final plague we spoke of last week, where death came through. Death was coming. And Yahweh warned Egypt, warned Pharaoh. And we felt that tension that Yahweh was respecting life but had to allow death so that his people would stop dying. So the final plague was the death of the firstborn. But all of this time, Yahweh said, notice this, 
Egypt, when you are seeing these calamities come upon you, notice Israel over here. They're not being harmed. They've gone through enough harm by your hands, and I am protecting them. And so today, we want to read about the way that God's people Israel escaped harm from that final plague. And that's why it's known as Passover. God passed over their homes and made sure that there was life within. So let me read for us from Exodus 12. We're just going to see some different snippets of this Passover and involves some food. Verse 3 says, Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect. You may take them from sheep or goats, but take care of them until the fourteenth day of the month, when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. That same night, they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire, along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or boiled in water, but roast it over the fire. Do not leave any of it till morning. If some is left till morning, you must burn it. So here we have our menu. And so that's why I want us to like have these objects with us in your hand. You can feel, touch. First of all, it said there was lamb. We're a lot of vegetarians here. We didn't bring any lambs. All all lambs are safe. Um, But we do have unleavened bread. So that's why it's very... Cracker-like, right? No, no leaven. No, nothing's lifting it, rising it. It's very flat. Um, and then we also had some bitter herbs. And my favorite is arugula. So with some wonderful help from a friend, got some arugula for us today because that's a bitter herb. You might see parsley on a, um, during this time or even horseradish because it's bitter, right? So something bitter. And we'll, we'll go into what these all symbolized here in a minute. But that's the menu. So you can, you can look at this, think about it. But here's what they had to do. Something else with the lamb wasn't just dinner. Verse 22 says, take a bunch of hyssop, which uh, is kind of a plant, and it's very fluffy, (laughs) brush-like. They would bind it together. It said, dip it in the blood in the basin and put some of the lamb's blood on the top and the sides of your doorframe. None of you shall go out of the door of your house until morning. When the Lord goes through the land to strike down the Egyptians, he will see the blood on the top and the sides of your doorframe and will pass over that doorway. He will not permit the destroyer to enter your houses or strike you down. So this is where, this is our our symbol here, our cup, our juice, color of blood. And so that was a symbol on the homes, that there was a visible symbol to like something's protecting them. And... We have one more detail, and it's our fast food connection. Verse 11 said, this is how you are to eat this meal. Your, your lamb, your bread, your bitter herbs, this is how you got to eat it. With your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in hand, eat in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. It's a quick meal. You're not spending a lot of time. It says if you don't eat it all, you burn it, you just get rid of it. They're ready to go. So imagine in this moment, all the different mixture of feelings going on. When you're making this meal, you're like, yes, we're going to be free. This is a celebration. But also, hurry up. And also, like, is this really going to happen? And then we're so excited and praising God. And also, he's going to destroy some people outside of this door. I don't know what that's going to be like. Did you read all the details? And make sure we're doing it right. 
I might be a little anxious in this meal, right? There's a lot of emotions going on. But God reassured them again. Verse 13, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you. This is a day you are to commemorate. For generations to come, you shall celebrate the festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. So now we get to slow down. Now, he already puts in place, I'm gonna bring you out. You're eating really fast now, but you're gonna come back to this menu and you're gonna take a beat. You're gonna sit together. You're gonna look one another in the eye and you are going to remember this day together. You're going to remember the way I brought you out. I heard your cry. I wanted to give you life. I want to give you sustenance. You're going to ingest the story so that you take it in year after year. And the Passover meal, it's described again in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, Numbers, and throughout, if you just went to like something like BibleGateway.com and you put in Passover as a search term, so many times it's just repeated. Israel did it. They celebrated every year. And you can see the different ways they brought worship or struggle to that celebration of Passover year after year. What was the main message? Why are they remembering? Verse 26, when your children ask you, What does this ceremony mean to you? Then tell them, it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt and spared our homes when he struck down the Egyptians. This meal had a message. It had a story. They were supposed to recount everything. And so let's dig into that celebration. Let's look at some key words And let's look at the story. First of all, we have Passover. And in the Hebrew, Passah. I don't know if I'm saying that right. But it didn't just mean to pass over. Rabbinic studies show that it also had this, they would use this word if you wanted to say you were protecting something or you're having compassion on something. And we keep finding that we can't get through even any painful story without seeing Yahweh's compassion right here in our scriptures. He's in that story. He can't help but show compassion in these times. That's who God is. Next, you might have heard that the Passover meal is called Seder. And that just means an order. So there's a tradition where it lays out, this is the order by which you will remember. This is the order to to share the story, to tell the next generation. And then they also have it written down now these days, a Haggadah, and it just means the telling. So these are the words to use. And some Jewish neighbors of mine invited us to a Seder several years back, and I got to keep my Haggadah. Now this one is a modern translation, but it does have this moment where a child is supposed to ask, what? Why is this night different from all other nights? The children are still asking in this same way as in scripture. Why are we celebrating? What are we doing here? And then the story unfolds. Now, let's discuss each element that we have here. 
that you have at hand, some of them. And we have on screen here a picture of a, a modern plate. And so we're going to look at first, this one is matzah, is our unleavened bread. It doesn't have yeast. And in this context, often in Scripture, throughout Old Testament, even in New Testament, we see Jesus talking about it. The, the yeast was to represent corruption, sin, negativity. So to not eat that on this special night was to, to leave the sin, leave the corruption of Egypt behind you and eat bread without yeast. It's also a time saver, not waiting for anything to rise, not having to set this out, prepare in advance. You got to eat fast because that first meal was in haste, right? And finally, matzah. Also, if you were not wealthy, didn't have a lot of means, wouldn't have the money or the time to have yeast and to make beautiful, amazing bread. But this is the bread of affliction because you don't have a lot and this is all you get. And so eating this matzah on Passover is to remember the affliction of the Israelites. By the way, we got this special matzah said made in Jerusalem, straight from Israel, the real deal for y'all. That's how I roll. Next, we have a bitter herb. You can look at your, you can look at your cute little arugula here. A bitter herb, as we said, um, let me, we said people can use parsley or horseradish. So that's what's on the screen is a little bowl of horseradish. That's what we had at the Seder that I was at. It's very tasty. Uh, it's supposed to leave a bad taste in your mouth, though. That is the point. So when, you can even try a bite right now, if you, if you so dare. It's a little peppery, a little arugula. I like to put it on pizza or a sandwich. It's got a little spice to it. But so when you, when you eat this, let me read this scripture and let you think on this. The Egyptians made the Israelites' lives bitter with harsh labor and brick and mortar and with all kinds of work in the fields. And all their harsh labor, the Egyptians worked them ruthlessly. So when you eat this herb, you're supposed to remember, remember that pain, remember the ruthlessness, remember how bitter life was so that we can get to the good stuff. In Passover seders today, you'd also eat haroset. It's a mixture, if you can kind of see the picture up there, it's a mixture of fruit and nuts, often apples and walnuts cinnamon and with wine and then they mix it together and it's very paste-like and you'd put it on a piece of your unleavened bread and then you've got your brick and your mortar so this was to remember all of the ways that Israel was serving Egypt not just serving them enslaved by them forcefully serving them and they made bricks and mortar and that's part of this meal and you're you're remembering this is where your history is Next, we have the lamb. The lambs are born in the spring. This is a springtime feast. And it was a provision of food and clothing. And if you noticed, it said that the families were supposed to take in the lamb on the 10th day and take care of it until the day they were supposed to kill it. They are caring for this lamb. This is something that is being provided and you're honoring its life. You're honoring that something, at times, freedom tends to come with a price. And so you're recognizing the price being paid for your freedom. So they're caring for the lamb, and it's part of the journey, as painful as that might be. 
And so we have the cup. We've got juice today. They would have had wine. And this, we said, is to remind us of that blood put on the doorpost. But also in Passover seders, there are four cups of wine. And it says in tradition that there are four ways Yahweh said he would bring about redemption for Israel. He said, I will take you out. I will rescue you. I will redeem you. And I will bring you to me. So each time that is spoken, you would drink another sip of wine. The other part that I do, I was reading through here to remember all the different pieces of the Seder, and I remember this, doing this as well, is that at one point, they were supposed to recall the 10 plagues, and each time we were supposed to dip our finger and put it on our plate. A bit spilled out every time a plague happened. So all of this point, all of this order, and all of this telling, it's supposed to remind people of their stories, not just listening to the story, but tasting it, feeling it, smelling it, and all the senses. What do they want to remember? Yahweh's like, don't forget. And you'd think, well, that's it's kind of a big deal. Like, it's a big piece of our story. It's a big deal when you were rescued from slavery. How would we forget? But we're humans. Sometimes we have that short Dory from Finding Nemo kind of memory, and we forget. So we need to repeat, and we need to remember. And speaking out loud does something about that story. It becomes alive again, and you remember details that you may have forgotten when you're sharing together around the table. But the big thing not to forget is God's word saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. And back in the very first week, when we started Exodus chapter 1, I read a quote from theologian Esau McCulley who said, The Exodus narrative reveals God's character as the one who liberates. And every time he reads it in scripture, he said he's reminded that God's saying, This is who I am. I am the one that frees people. I'm the liberator. I bring freedom and hope and life. And we need those reminders at times, don't we? There's a lot of darkness and death and harm and pain. And so God says, share a meal together. Take it in and remember that I want to bring you freedom and life just the way I brought out your ancestors. Yahweh says, I am the one who liberates. So Yahweh didn't just have a plan for physical redemption. The goal of all of this was to keep bringing people back in their, their spirits. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of heaviness. And, and when, our, when our bodies are harmed, when we have physical issues, it can affect our mental health or our spiritual health, right? We're all holistically made. And there's times when we're physically drained and stressed and it hurts in a lot of places. And God was always keeping the internal in mind as well as the external. This week is not only Passover. There's also something on the Christian calendars. There's Good Friday. A Friday called Good to remember the day that Jesus died on the cross. And just as the blood was stained on the wooden doorposts of the homes... Jesus' blood was stained on the wooden 
beam of a cross. And Yahweh said that that blood of the lamb would mark the difference between life and death. And Jesus spent his life on earth to live perfectly. His cousin called him the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And Jesus was meant to be symbolically a lamb. He was meant to be physically sacrificed on our behalf so that all humanity, everybody who lived back in the time of Egypt, everyone who will live past us in the future, that all of us, all of our oppression done to us, all of the harm that we've committed, that all of that can be taken away, can be healed, can be redeemed through the blood of Jesus. Jesus lived a blameless, spotless life, and he wanted to give us spiritual freedom, eternal hope, so that even though physical death is in our world, that we don't have to believe it's the end, that we can have hope that there is an eternity with Yahweh, that Jesus has made a way for that. And if you'd like to talk more about what that means, if you have questions, come see me afterward. Will we keep reiterating that Jesus was also a liberator from sin and from death? And that's, I want us to keep remembering that it's, it's about things that we've done, but it's also about things done to us. That we carry all this around in our bodies and our souls. And Jesus wants to redeem us from that. So we're going to have a time, we always end our service with communion every week because we want to remember. But we're going to do that differently today. We're going to do it right here as we talk. Because Jesus, he celebrated Passover. He was a Jewish man. He celebrated with his disciples. And one of those meals we happen to read about in Luke chapter 22. It's in, I think, all of the Gospels. And so Jesus has Passover with his disciples they prepare a time, and we call it the Last Supper because then we, we come to find out that it is the last thing he ate before he died on the cross. But it was just Passover for them. And it said that they were reclining, and they went through the meal, and it just said, after the meal, Jesus just had, had another message for them. Just as much as they remembered this history of Yahweh redeeming and bringing freedom to Israel, Jesus wanted to let them know, I'm Yahweh here, and I'm getting ready to do something that I want you to remember. I want you to eat a meal in my name, and don't forget what's about to happen. So, you know, guys, if you haven't figured out by now, you know food is my love language. So we worship a God that's like, have a meal and remember. And Jesus is like, have a meal and remember. And I love that. I love that he wants us to take in this story and also like, he likes some food. This is a good God. It's a delicious, delicious food. So Jesus says, now you celebrate Passover, but now I just want you some time to remember me. So let's, let's hold this unleavened bread in our hand and let's read Jesus' words and we can eat it together. We call this communion because it's a, a communal time to come together and remember Jesus. But it says that after the meal, Jesus took bread. He gave thanks, and he broke it, and then he, he gave it to his friends. 
And he's like, this is my body given for you. Do it in remembrance of me. We believe this is just a symbol, just a remembering, but it's a nice way. It's a nice way to hold something and taste it and remember that Jesus said, I came, I came to earth to live in a body like yours, but I gave it up for you. In the same way, Jesus took a cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Drink it together. The point of Jesus' meal was to tell us, don't forget. Just don't forget. Remember me. Remember the love I have for you. Remember that when humanity was still messed up, even after they left Egypt, God had a plan to come himself and to say, let me take care of it. Let me take it on in my own body. Let me take it on in my own spirit. Because I want you to be free. And here's the thing. To eat something again and again and to talk about the stories. Maybe sometimes, maybe some of us have personalities where we're like, why? (laughs) Why do we need to keep talking about the pain? Let's just move on. Can we just not move on? But we actually gain strength from remembering adversity. Over the years, research has shown that when we talk about things, when we speak about our struggles, and then we speak about a way through them, that that's beneficial for us. And one of the studies I read about this week was conducted by UCLA in 2007, and then using neuroimaging, they were looking at the way the brain responds to stress, and then what happens after it. And I learned terms like the amygdala, which is a little green spot kind of hidden up there. And that part of our brain, it just responds to anxiety and stress and pain and fight or flight, and and it wants to respond immediately without thinking through all the logic and without, it just goes intensely. And then the research showed that then they took this group of people and they said, okay, let's talk about, talk about all the things that just made you feel anxious and scared and worried and concerned And they talked about it. Even writing it down was helpful. And then they tried to stress them out again and watch their brains react. And this time, the amygdala did not respond as immediately. It wasn't as stressed. It wasn't as taking over the whole brain in its response. There was a time to process. There was more thought. Maybe didn't feel like that was as big of a threat. And so this evidence is just about, it's about, talking about things, about processing things, about repeating the past, bringing up the pain. Here at Echo, we believe in therapy. It's good. Not, a lot of, not all churches talk about that. We're pro-therapy. And as much as prayers together and reading scripture and spiritual conversations are amazing. Also, talking with a licensed therapist about things for your mental health is amazing. And eating food and exercising and getting good sleep for your physical health is amazing. We are, we are a people of many parts. And Yahweh loves and created 
all of these parts and they work together. I had some great conversations with some Echo friends recently to gather new resources of great therapists in town. So if you need someone, I'll get you connected. I'm trying to build up my resources. But let's look again at the two meals. Let's look at Passover and communion. And look, there's three things there. One, each meal is a conversation about God's provision and rescue from Egypt through Jesus. That's, that reminder is good for our spiritual health, that God cares and desires for us to be spiritually whole beings. Number two, each meal speaks aloud a story and processes the trauma of Jewish slavery, the oppression or confession of sin and brokenness done to us or things we've unknowingly done to others and talks about coming through on the other side. That is good for our mental health, that conversation we just said. And number three, they're meals. It's food. Good for our physical health to eat food. And I love that in these moments, you can see Yahweh providing for our whole beings, that he wants us to get through pain and that he's with us in every part that's hurting, in the spiritual, in the mental, in the physical. God cares. And he's like, don't forget. Don't forget that I care about every part of you that I made. Don't forget that I want to rescue you in every way and make you whole and bring the best. I want you to make it through painful times. And I want you to find a way out on the other side. Finally, notice that none of these meals are people eating alone. Anybody watching Mandalorian? They don't take off their helmets. They go eat alone. This is not it. This is a communal meal. They're looking at one another. They are having food together. No one eats alone. And so we share pain and we share joy together. We're made to live life together. That's why we come here. You could worship God on your own and your own places all week long. But we should come together and there's something that strengthens us here. That we can see other people who love Jesus with us. Who care about our pain. And so my final application and challenge for the end of our service today is to say, you know what we want to do? Let's eat. Go eat together. doesn't have to be today. You can plan this out. Here's your challenge of sometime this spring season, I want you to set a meal time with someone. I want you to pick someone that you, you're really close to. Go eat together and share a bunch of fun memories. Just live it up. I want you to invite someone to a meal that you don't know very well and figure out how, even though it might be awkward, it's fine. It's not. It's, everybody wants to share their story. Slowly ask some conversation. Food gives us a, like, a nice little breathing room to talk to people and to, to ask their story. Invite someone for a meal when you're struggling. You might want to isolate. That's what our brains do. We want to isolate when we're in pain, but share your struggles because then you have someone that you can process it with and to pray with you and to walk alongside you. They, may don't, they don't have all the answers, but they're with you. Invite someone to a meal when something amazing has happened. And it could be small. It could be huge. But celebrate with joy with other people. So this is a real assignment. Like, I don't say a lot of strong words, but I'm asking you all. 
Eat together. Find people. Connect. Don't walk away from this message without finding a way to connect to others in this life. For now, we're going to close in prayer so you can go have lunch and you can begin this assignment immediately. But I just want you to remember and take with you and take in with you the God who sees you and loves you and cares about you. Let's pray together. Thank you, God, for giving us food because it's delicious and it sustains us, but it also gives us a message. Thank you for allowing us to take in your truth about the freedom you offer us, about the love you have for us, about the way you want to bring us healing. Thanks for giving us a meal, several meals, lots of meal options, giving us those reminders of who you are. Help us to open our tables to others, to find connection, other people who are longing to have friends, to find community, others who are seeking after you. Help us to have eyes to see and ears to hear and find people to live in community with. We lift you up today. Thank you for being the one who frees us. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for the gift of your attention today. If you ever want to join Echo Church in person, we meet on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. You'll find us at 1301 East McMillan Street. That's in the Walnut Hills neighborhood of Cincinnati, Ohio, just up the street from our city's beautiful Eden Park. Find out more about us on our website, echochurch.org. Have a great week.